So, hello, my name is Davey. Um, I'm one of the pastors here in Dundonald Elam, and specifically, I have the privilege of looking after the youth ministry um, in Dundonald Elam. And tonight, we um, start a collection of talks looking at this idea of God with us. And tonight, I want to look at the title of Faithful Forever, that God is with us in the fire and the flood. And I want to read from a couple of verses in Isaiah chapter 43. I want to use this as sort of like a, a reference point um, to speak into something around this idea of God being faithful forever. Um, and there's th the first three verses of Isaiah 43. It's going to come up on the screen. If you don't have a Bible, you can read along with us there. But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt for your ransom, Cush and Seba in your stead. So I want to look at these three verses and just spend a bit of time using some other scripture to teach how God is present, how God is faithful in every season of life that you find yourself in. But let me first ask you this. Have you ever had an experience in life that's both really good and really bad at the same time? Maybe it's you've went to maybe a restaurant and you've went to a really good restaurant that loads of people said it was brilliant and you, they've given a load of recommendations and you went along to it but your meal wasn't great. Everything about it seemed really good, the decor, the interior, even the staff were really friendly but actually the meal wasn't that great. Or maybe the other way around. Maybe you went somewhere where everyone said it wasn't going to be good, like maybe like a holiday destination. You, the recommendations weren't good. The, the reviews on TripAdvisor weren't great, and, and you went along, but actually it was a really good holiday. And it was sort of this mix between really bad and really good. Uh, because sometimes in things that, that are really bad and really good, the good can help outweigh the bad. The good can help overcome the bad. Um, um, I had a couple, of, a couple of stories of this where I have had those um, experiences. A story I've told before in our youth ministry was a number of years ago, a couple of our uh, main group of guys decided to take a sort of road trip around the, um, the UK. And we, one of, uh, a friend of ours, a number of years ago, did an internship at the church here for a year, but he was from Wales, so we were sort of taking him back to throw him off back at Wales, and then we were going for a tour around the rest of the, the UK. And so we got the, we drove from um, Belfast down to Dublin and got the ferry across to uh, Hollyhead in Wales. But it was quite late when we got there, so we decided to check into a tra travel lodge um, for the night. Next morning, jumped off, packed our bags, went to take out our stuff out to the car. And as we walked out to the car, um, the guy um, whose car it was opened the boot and went to throw my bags in the back of the boot. And all of a sudden, like, just fe felt this thud as, like, I head-butted the car. Like, literally, the boot of the car pierced the top of my head, like, went into my skin. Um, and so then I bumped, I came back and was like, what just happened? And then all of a sudden, like, blood just starts pouring from my head. And I'm thinking, okay, the guys are going to get sympathy. And then the phones came out and just started taking photos as... <laughs> 
that's uploaded onto Facebook and Instagram. Um, but there was this same panic. I was like, I'm like, I literally leave home. Like, I'm not even away one day, and all of a sudden, I need my mum. Like, I'm panicking. I'm in another country, and I'm thinking, like, I don't speak Welsh. Like, what am I going to say to these people? Um, so I go into the A&E, the minor injury unit, and it's, it's fine. Like, I made it out to be like half my face is hanging off. It was a cut, like about an like wide and not even an inch deep. Um, but it was this moment where I was like really panicked. This is not a good situation that I find myself in. But because I was with a group of guys, it was a bit of a laugh. The company made it a little bit better. And another time we went away on a missions trip a number of years ago um, with the youth here in, in the Dalilam. And we went to France. And after about 10 days in our missions trip, we flew back um, via, we went to France to Liverpool, and then we were supposed to get a flight from Liverpool back across here to uh, Belfast. But when we got to Liverpool, we, rec- we realized that our flight was cancelled. Our flight from um, Liverpool back to Belfast was cancelled. And there was a couple of spaces on another flight that some of the other people got to go on. But we, the rest of us, were like stranded in Liverpool, and we're like, what are we going to do here for a night? And, and it, it wasn't again, it wasn't a great situation to be in, but the company that we had made it fun. It was a bit of a laugh, and we were like, ah, we'll be fine, we'll be fine. And so the company actually made the situation that we were in a little bit better. And sometimes the company is the thing that comforts you, no matter what situation that you find yourself in. It's a, an obvious question that we do. Have you ever been invited out to something? What is one of the first questions you ask? Well, who's all going? <laughs> like... I'll decide whether I'm going, depending on who else is going. I need to know what company. Who's going to be there? What company am I going to have? Because I want to know what company I'm going to have before I go into the situation that I will be in, because that brings comfort to me. And in these verses that we have just read in Isaiah, God highlights three different situations that we may find ourselves in. He says, when you pass through the waters, or when you pass through the rivers, or when you walk through fire, Three different situations that we may find ourselves in. And it's interesting to note that that God doesn't say, if you pass through the waters or if you pass through the rivers or if you walk, it's it's when. Because pain is promised in our lives. It's not a great thing to hear, but pain is promised in our lives. But so is God's presence. God's presence is promised in our lives Isaiah 43 verse 2 says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. I will be there with you. When you go through that, I, my, my presence will be promised. And it's the comfort in this situation is found in the company. And as we celebrate Christmas, what we do is we celebrate God incarnate coming down to earth through the life of Jesus Christ. He came down to earth and, but it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like your, your granny, you know, just dropping in on the way past. Like God wasn't just, I was just calling past, so I thought I'd drop into earth. No, like God came to dwell. God chose to come to the earth intentionally to dwell and to live among you and I. It was an intentional choice. And he wasn't just dropping in. He was here to stay. But if you're like me, whether you're here or watching online, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, sometimes... We don't feel God. Sometimes it doesn't feel that God is with us in the fires and the floods. Sometimes it doesn't feel like God is near or God is with us. But feelings are not the evidence of the presence of God. Feelings are not the evidence of the presence of God. Because if you always felt God, then you wouldn't need faith. And Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 tells us that faith is the confidence in what we hope for. And it is the assurance about what we do not yet see. 
It is our faith that allows us to trust and believe that there is God when we don't see it and even when we don't feel it. And the author of Hebrews later on in, in Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, actually without faith you cannot please God. That sometimes it is our faith that trusts that God is there even when we don't feel him, even when we can't see him. And for some of you in here or watching online, in your past, in your present, or in your future, the greatest faith that you will need or have will be just believing that God is there even when you can't feel him. Sometimes that takes the greatest faith, that when you can't feel God in the fires and the floods of your life, still holding on and believing he is with me, even though I cannot feel it. Even though God feel, I feel that God is silent at this time. God's silence doesn't always equate to his absence. Just because God is silent, it doesn't mean that he is absent. Many um, children on Friday there sat the AQE test. And they will go in and have sat, in a, sat on a, a class in a um, school, in a hall. And there will probably be teachers or invigilators walking up and down. Now those invigilators, no teachers, are silent but they are not absent because silence doesn't always equate to absence. If, if Kelsey and I are sitting at home and, and I'm sitting watching TV and she's reading on her Kindle, she, she, isn't, she is silent, but she is still present. Many of you sitting in this room are, are silent right now, but you're still present. Silence doesn't always mean absence. So don't misinterpret God's silence for his absence. Your faith needs to trust what the Bible says. Your faith needs to trust what God says, even when it doesn't feel like it. Stephen Furtick says this quote, whenever what you see does not match up with what God spoke, go with what he spoke. Whenever what you see or what you feel does not match up with what God spoke, go with what he spoke. Let your faith believe that what God spoke is the truth. Because feelings, what we feel, does not always equate to facts. But just because you feel something doesn't mean it's a fact. Just because you don't feel that God is there doesn't mean that it's real, doesn't mean that it's a fact. There's this thing that's happened in the past, I would say about the past 15 to 20 years, as technology has developed, there is a, a thing called phantom vibration syndrome. And we've all felt this, if anyone who has a mobile phone, phantom vibration syndrome, where you, you feel that your phone has vibrated, you feel you've got a text message, you feel that someone is ringing you, and you lift it out in a panic to be like, happy days, Someone's, someone wants me. And then you realize that, oh, no one phoned me. Like, we just feel, we, we feel that something has happened. We feel our phone went. But just because you feel something doesn't mean that it's always necessarily true. Your phone, you feel your phone vibrates, but it didn't? Or have you ever had a moment where you, you, you felt that you were hungry, but then you're actually not. You just, you just need a drink. You just need a drink. You're just thirsty. You felt that you were hungry because feelings don't always equate to facts. And in fact, our feelings and our faith are always waging a war against one another. They're always fighting. Even in here tonight, as you sit and listen to this, in here or online, there is a war and a battle going on between your feelings and your faith. If you're in here or online and you're a non-Christian, but you're exploring faith, then there is a war going on between your feelings and your faith. Because as I speak, some of this is maybe speaking to you, or some of this you can relate to, or some of this you're like, hmm, I felt like that before. And it's, it's starting to speak to your faith. Maybe I should believe in God. Maybe I should start to trust this Jesus. 
But your feelings are fighting against that to say, but what will people think about me? Or what if this is, what if this is not true? What if that guy up there is just a really good persuasive talker? What if I leave this place and what if it's not true? And so there is a war going on between your faith and your feelings. If you're in here or online and you're a follower of Jesus and you're a Christian, then maybe some of this is relating to you. You have felt that God hasn't been there, but you are trying to trust that God is present in every season of your life and it's speaking to your faith. But your feelings are fighting against that because your feelings are saying, no, because this won't last. This is all, this is encouraging and this is lovely to hear at the front of a a church on a Sunday. And sometimes church is the easiest place to feel encouraged. But as soon as I go away, that feeling is going to go away. And, And your feelings are fighting against that. Let me ask you a question. What are you feeding? Are you feeding your feelings or are you feeding your faith? Or let me ask you it in a different way. What are you giving attention to? Your feelings or your faith, because whatever you give attention to grows. If there is any um, budding uh, gardeners in here um, that love to spend time in the garden, you'll know that what you give attention to grows. That when you take time to give attention to your flowers and your gardens, when you take time to water them, when you take time to weed them, when you take time to to allow them to get enough direct sunlight, um, natural sunlight, what happens when you give attention to that? Those things grow. Or anyone in here who's interested in in exercise, when you give attention to that, when you give attention to training, when you give attention to the right diet, when you give attention to the right amount of sleep, the right amount of rest, the right amount of uh, fluid intake, what happens? Well, your muscles grow, your cardiovascular system grows, your stamina grows, your endurance grows, because whatever you give attention to grows. With your relationships, the people, whether it's a spouse, whether it's your family, kids, friendships, whatever it is, whatever you give attention to, when you spend time in those relationships, whatever you give attention to grows. And so similarly, whatever we give attention to, whether it's our feelings or our faith, will determine what grows. So if you're giving attention, if you're giving a lot of your attention to how you feel, then it will grow. And you will always be dependent upon your feelings. You will always be listening to how you feel. You'll always be listening to, well, what is, what is my gut telling me? What is my heart telling me? And we will be feeding that and feeding that and feeding that until the point where that is what we listen to, trust, and depend upon is simply what I feel. But Jeremiah 17, 9 says that the heart is deceitful and wicked. Who can trust it? Have you ever, have you ever mean maybe driving home Uh, from church and you think, you know what, I I really feel like I need like a Chinese or I need a burger or something. And then you buy it. Some of you are thinking, I can't wait till he goes, finishes so I can go to the amethyst. Now I have just decided. But then what happened? Have you ever been in that moment where you decide it and then you get home and then you start to eat it? And what, has anyone ever said, I didn't even want this. I'm not even hungry. Because you, you, your mind and your feelings are telling you one thing, but they're deceiving you. And it's not even true. But we can feed, and we can feed and give attention to our feelings so much that we just react when it tells us something. That when our feelings say one thing, we accept it to, the, to be the truth. But what if we give attention to our faith? Then it will grow. And we'll learn to depend upon God. And we'll learn to depend upon what the Bible says. And we'll learn to depend upon what God says about us. We find out what we give attention to when we face trials. 
We find out what we give attention to when we are going through the fires and the floods. Later on in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 54, verse 17, God says that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. God didn't say the weapon wouldn't be formed. He said it wouldn't prosper. And so we have to expect trials in life. We have to expect that weapons will be formed against us. It is promised in our lives. John 16, 33 says, Jesus says, I have told you these things. I think we might have that. If we could put that up on the screen, that'd be awesome. John 16, 33. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. I'm going, to make a, I'm going to make a suggestion that I doubt that if the faith mission was to sell any cards with John 16, 33 on it, that they would sell out. Imagine buying someone a card with that verse. That's not one you want to give to someone as a promise. That's not something that you will have trials in this world. That's not a comforting thing. But it is promised. But also, look what else is promised. It says, in, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Jesus is saying, in me, remaining in me, abiding in me, that's where you have peace. But look what it says next. So that in me, you may have peace. That's not overwhelmingly comfortable. That's not a, a real great confirmation, Jesus. You're saying that I may have peace. What is that dependent on? I don't think that the peace that Jesus offers you is dependent upon him. I think it's dependent upon what we feed on what we give attention to. If you give attention to your feelings, then there will be times where you will face trials, but you will not feel that Jesus is there. And so you will just start to believe that he is absent and he is not with you. And of course, you're not going to have peace in those times. But actually, if we believe and feed and give attention to our faith, that when we go through troubles, then we will believe that he is present with us in every step of the way. He is with us through the fires and the floods. You can have peace in your fires and floods when you choose to feed your faith. And in two passages at the end of Jesus' life, it is recorded that he says two similar things. Matthew chapter 28 and verse 20, the final verse of the book of Matthew, Jesus gives a great commission and he says, Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, Jesus says that you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. To the ends of the age, wherever, and to the ends of the earth, whenever. Jesus promises to be with you. God promises to be present. But what is your response to that? Is it a response of faith? I believe that. Or is it a response of feelings that, I don't always feel that way. I don't always feel that he is with me. Do you believe that in the season that you find yourself? Do you believe that in the challenge that you're facing? Do you believe that in the storm that you're in right now? Or do you just not feel God? So you're not feeding, so you are, sorry, feeding your feelings. God's presence is never dependent upon our feelings. God doesn't choose just to be present with you when you feel it. Or God doesn't choose to be present when, when we are faithful. And I am so thankful to God that he doesn't choose to be present in my life when I am faithful because there are so many times where I feel like I'm not faithful. But I'm glad that God's presence is never dependent upon my feelings. But listen to this. 
God's presence is not a reward for our faith. His presence is the resource by which we find strength. I'll say that again because I really believe some of you are battling with it with how I feel. Where I, I, God spoke to me this other day and I literally was sitting right in this crying. And Kelsey's like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, I don't know. I'm just like God speaking to me. But some of you need to know that God's presence over your life is not a reward because of your faith. It's the resource by which you find strength. Psalm 46 verse 1 says, God is our refuge and our strength. A what? An ever-present help in time of need. Whenever you need a refuge and a strength, God is always there. Whether you feel it or not, your faith needs to remind you that he is always, always there. Whether you feel it or not, he is an ever-present help in time of need. Alan Scott says this, quote, The warfare around your life is seasonal, but the favor of God on your life is eternal. Don't get those two mixed up. How often do we look at the warfare around of our, our lives and think that that's the thing that's eternal and the favor of God is seasonal? No, it's the other way around. God's favor in your life is always, always eternal. I'm going to ask the band to come and join me on the stage. But often we get confused about God's presence, especially when we go through storms, especially when we go through fires and floods of our lives and we go through seasons of doubt, we go through seasons of uncertainty. We can doubt God's presence. And we don't know where to turn. Or we don't know what to believe. Maybe thinking, how will we continue to face each day? What if we looked at our storms with a different perspective? Let me show you one final thing that God showed me. You need to turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I actually as I'm turning here, thinking we have that on the screen. Oh, we do. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, 8, and 9. And Paul is writing this. And Paul says, Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming consided, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. My grace is sufficient. My grace is enough. Often our initial reaction when we go through trials and challenges and times of conflict is to think that this is the enemy's work and God is absent in this. God is, is letting the enemy just attack me and God, you're not here. We associate God with comfort and we associate the enemy with conflict. And it's quick to associate conflicts and storms as things that torment us. That torment us at night. That torment us when we're trying to sleep. That torment us when we are alone. Things that the enemy will do that will torment us. But what if we looked at them at a different perspective? What if we flipped them? You see, I really believe that God is able to take what the enemy is doing on our lives and he is able to flip them. He's able to take those things that torment us and flip it. See, what do you do? What do you get when you take the word torment and you flip those two syllables? You get mentor. What if the very thing that Satan was using to torment you, God was using that very same thing to mentor you through? 
What if God was taking the situation and the storm, the fire and the flood that the enemy was trying to attack you through and he was taking and flipping it and trying to mentor you through to tell you this, that my grace is all that you need. That my grace is sufficient in every storm that you face. That the enemy intended this for evil, but God is going to take it and turn it around and tell you that and going to use it to mentor you and tell you that my grace is enough. My grace is enough in your fire and in your flood. There's so many examples in the Bible and in life where we see the enemy taking the very thing that God intended for good and turning it for evil. We see it at the very start in, in the garden. God gave them this tree and this garden of abundance and said, just don't eat from that one thing. And what does the enemy do? He takes these words from God and he thwarts them and turns it for evil. We see that when Jesus is coming out of the water after being baptized, he goes into the wilderness and Satan uses scripture and turns it around to try and do evil to God, to Jesus. We see it in our everyday lives, the gift that, is, that, is, that God intended for, of, between man and woman, the gift of sex, the enemy has taken and, and perverted it for, for all across the world. See, we also need to realize that things that the enemy has intended for evil, God can turn for good. God can take things that the enemy has cho chosen to attack you and I with, and God is able to turn it round for our good. Genesis 50 says that you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. What if the very thing that the enemy has attacked your life with to bring destruction, dysfunction, and depression, God is going to flip it and turn it and mentor through you to bring transformation? What if we flip the thing that is trying to torment us and see it as trying to mentor us that his grace is enough. And this grace is offered to all of humanity. So we celebrate this Christmas season, we celebrate Jesus coming down, the birth of God incarnate here on earth. And at Easter, we celebrate his death and his resurrection. And this cross offers grace to everyone. That grace and that refuge and that strength that we all need at times, that is offered to humanity. That is offered to me and to you if we will accept it. If we will accept Jesus Christ as the Son of God and turn away from our former things, then we will have that refuge and that strength, that very present help right beside us. Tonight, trials are promised to you. And I'm not promising a message of hope that your circumstance will change because of giving your life to Jesus. But I am promising a message of hope that you will have a faithful friend and a faithful father who will hold onto your hand and walk every step of the fire and the flood that you, you find yourself in. And I am promising that God's grace will be poured out in your life. And I can guarantee that his grace is enough and his grace is sufficient. So I'm going to ask you to respond. If you want to bow your head and close your eyes. I, d I have felt a conviction that I want to give some people in here, if you're even online, an opportunity to respond to this. Maybe you are facing some trials. Maybe you are facing some difficulties. You're going through some fires and floods and you need someone to walk with you. God is there. And so if you're in here and you want to make a decision, to give your life to Jesus. If you want to make a decision tonight to say, I'm not listening anymore to my feelings, but I'm going to listen to my faith. And you want that grace 
poured out on your life, if you want your life transformed, then when I count to three, I'm going to simply ask you just to shoot your hand up. Just a, it's, a, it's an outward expression of an inward emotion. You're just saying, yep, I want to make that. I want to confirm that. And I'd love to get an opportunity to chat with you after one of the pastors to take some opportunities to encourage you. If you're doing, going to respond to this online, please drop us an email and we can get back to you in that way. But if you want to make a decision tonight to give your life over to Jesus, then please just drop your hand in three, two, one. Thank you. Thank you, God. One more thing that I would love to pray for before we pray and, and finish with a song is that if you're in here and you are going through a battle at the minute, you may be facing some difficulties in your life, and tonight you're, you recognize that you've been listening to your feelings for so long, that God is not present, that he is distant, that he is absent, then tonight I want to pray for you. Tonight I want to pray that you would, by the power and the strength of his grace, by the power of his spirit, that you would be someone who would turn away from your feelings and trust your faith. So if you're going through some stuff right now, and you need God to pour over you, then I just want you to simply slip up your hand as well. And I would love to pray for you, for grace, for strength. So if that's you, would you put your hand up on I count to three? One, two, three. Thank you. Thank you. God, tonight we want to thank you that you're still in the business of changing lives. We thank you for your, that your grace is still redeeming and still saving. God, we thank you that you are able to step into our situations and turn them around, God. And God, we pray for those people who are going through some things tonight, God, who are facing some trials, who are going through the floods of life, God. God, I pray that you would help them be people who don't just feed and give attention to their feelings no longer, but tonight they would trust, God, that you are present when you say you are present, that you are close when you say that you are close, that you are there when you say that you are there. And God, I pray that they would know your peace in these times. I pray that they would believe what you spoke, not what they say or what they feel. God, I thank you for those who have responded to saying yes to making a decision to follow Jesus tonight. God, I thank you that heaven celebrates for a life turned around, God, that another person is taken away from the kingdom of darkness and added into the kingdom of light, God. And I pray for them that they would know your peace and your abundance in this time. They would know that, the, that heaven is celebrating them. They know that the grace and the love of Jesus is upon their lives, God. And I pray that you would help them as they walk into this in this next week as the enemy tries to tempt them away, God, that you would surround them with your grace and with your love, God. And God, as I pray, as we move into the rest of this Christmas season, that we would be reminded that Emmanuel, God, is with us, not for a season, but to dwell. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.